Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Christ, O Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. We like to say this at Church of the Resurrection. He is risen. Very good. You're saying it like you believe it. I know you do. And to believe that, to believe that, to really believe it, is to have hope. Uh, to have hope instead of despair. And the question is, are you living in that hope, the hope of Easter this morning, the hope that flows from the truth that Jesus Christ is alive today? I was watching the other night a PBS documentary. Maybe you saw the PBS documentary about cancer and the, the battle against cancer and the scientific advances that have been made against cancer. And they interviewed one survivor who almost lost that battle, and she talked about the role of hope. And she said, you know, to have real hope, you need a real reason. And this woman found a reason for hope in a, in a new treatment that indeed saved her life. But she's right. To have real hope, you have to have real reason. You have to have a basis for that hope. And as Christians, we do have a reason for the hope that's in us. And what I want to do this morning is talk about some of those reasons here at the beginning of the sermon, some evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And then we're going to talk about knowing this truth personally, because knowing the reasons for why we believe that's really important. We're not asking to people to believe in a myth. There are reasons why we believe what we believe. And knowing that strengthens our faith, bolsters our hope, chips away at skepticism and doubt. So it's important to know the reasons. But knowing the person in whom we believe is even greater. Let me just note two pieces of evidence here at the beginning of the sermon for the resurrection of Jesus Christ based on the Gospel reading of John. Entire books are written on evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so we're just going to scratch the surface here. I just want to focus on a couple of things that lay at the surface of the Gospel of John, reasons to believe in the resurrection stories. First, there is the fact of the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. The fact of the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene is the first person at the tomb that first Easter Sunday. Now, we know from other Gospels that other women were with Mary. And that's actually implied in the text in John because he uses the plural when she talks about we. But um, John wants to focus on Mary's experience that first Easter morning. So he, he puts the lens on Mary Magdalene. She sees that the stone, stone has been rolled away. And she's sure that this means that his body has been stolen, that he has been taken away. So she runs to Simon Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved disciple, is John. And she says that. She says, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. She's not expecting this at all. She's there to grieve. She's there to mourn the loss of her Savior and then to, to try to find some way to, to move on, to carry on with life. And she finds the body 
is gone. I was talking to our deacon Sarah this morning. She said that as she read this account this morning, she thought of how that must have felt for Mary Magdalene. After all that Jesus had went through and her relationship with the Lord as a follower to find that the body now has been taken away. He's been beaten. He's been crucified. And now to add insult to all this, she can't even grieve properly because the body is gone. They've taken away the Lord. All the Easter stories make it clear that, that none of the disciples expected to find the tomb empty. And certainly not to encounter the risen Christ. Uh, the, the Easter stories picture the disciples as confused, fearful, doubting, half-believing. This is not something they manufactured. This is not something they produced. The resurrection took them all by surprise. Mary sees that the stone is rolled away. And then what I call the resurrection relay begins. She runs and tells Peter and John. And then they, in turn, run to the tomb in excitement, disbelief to find out if this story is really true. They get to the tomb and they discover she's right. It's empty. And then did you notice that for John, it's a really big deal to talk about the grave clothes. He spends... A couple of verses on the grave clothes. In verse 5, it says, In stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. That's John. And then Simon Peter came following him, and characteristically, Peter charges ahead. Simon Peter comes following him, and he goes into the tomb. And again, the bearer clothes are mentioned. that He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which has been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Why is this such a big deal for John to mention the linen cloths? Well, when the disciples saw these linen cloths, it dawned on them. In fact, the, the, word, the Greek word used for seeing here in this context is, is beyond physical seeing. It's comprehension. A light bulb has come on. Because a grave robber, this means that Jesus' body was not robbed. Because a grave robber wouldn't leave the linen cloth behind. He would just take the body. And certainly he wouldn't fold up the face cloth. And so they are convinced at this point, they don't have the whole pieces of the puzzle together. But things are beginning to, to make sense to them. And they're beginning to bleep. Bleep is beginning to perkle up. What happened was that, in the words of Michael Green, a theologian, Jesus left the grave clothes behind. Jesus left the grave clothes behind, Michael Green says, as a butterfly emerging into a new dimension of life leaves the cocoon behind. And so when Peter and John saw all this, the empty tomb, the grave clothes left behind, they began to believe. Uh, Jesus' body has never been discovered. If, if, the enemies of Jesus wanted to destroy Christianity. Early on, they could have done it by simply producing the body of Jesus. As soon as the apostles hit the streets and began to say that Jesus Christ is alive, that Jesus Christ is God's King, that Jesus Christ is God's Messiah, and He has proven this by raising Him from the dead, the enemies of Jesus could have produced the body and the whole thing would have been done with. But the body of Jesus has never been discovered. The tomb is still empty. And that's a reason to believe in the resurrection. There's another reason. There's another reason. Mary Magdalene is the first witness to the risen Christ. She's the first person to encounter 
Jesus. She's the first person to testify to others that he is risen. And that's significant. Why is that significant? Well, this is going to sound a little offensive to our ears, and, but in the first century in Judaism, women were not viewed as a credible witness. Here's some ancient sources. One ancient Jewish source says this, Let not the testimony of a woman be admitted. Another ancient source says, Any evidence a woman gives is not valid. Of course, they had their cultural reasons for this. We wouldn't agree with those reasons today. But that was the cultural context. A woman's testimony was not really valid or credible in court. And so the question is, if the gospel writers were making this up, as some people say, if they were just making this up whole cloth, then why have the women be the primary witnesses to the, to the empty tomb? Why have the women be the first ones to encounter the risen Christ? Why not put themselves in? It would give the story much more credibility as the primary witnesses. The best explanation is really the simplest. The reason they wrote it this way is because that is exactly what happened on that first Easter Sunday. And the point that I'm trying to make is that our hope has reasons. This is not mathematical proof, but these, these are reasons to believe. As Christians, we don't ask people to believe in a, in a comforting myth because it might feel good. We don't ask them to join the church because we want them to just be part of a social group. We believe because we believe this is true, that God really raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. Easter has its reasons. The hope has its reasons. But there's something more. There's the reasons for hope, and then there's the person. The person of hope, Jesus Christ. And what we proclaim is not simply that Jesus was raised 2,000 years ago, but that he's alive today. And he can be encountered today. And he can be known today. We live at a time with so much great technology and scientific advancement that we can lose sight of the fact that personal experience is a valid path to truth. Not just science, not just technology, not just the material world, but personal experience is a valid path to truth. Science and technology and reason have made great advances for us. We're grateful for that, but they don't have the monopoly on truth. You know, a chemist can give you a chemical analysis of a painting, say by Rembrandt or Mozart, and that's one way of knowing that painting. But a more appropriate way of knowing that kind of a painting is to go down to the art museum and stand in front of a Rembrandt or a Monet. Did I say Mozart? Monet. <laughs> and experience it for yourself. That's, that's the way to experience it. This is opening day for Major League Baseball, as my son has reminded me many times. <laughs> a physicist can describe scientifically an Adam Wainwright curveball. But there's another way of knowing that curveball, and that's going to Bush Stadium and sitting behind home plate and seeing it for yourself. Personal experience is a, is a valid way of knowing the truth. And to know the truth that Jesus is risen involves knowing him personally, personally and appropriating all that he has promised to us personally to say that Jesus is my Savior, my Lord, died for my sin. I need what He provides. Not just that Jesus is the Savior, but Jesus is mine. When does Mary Magdalene begin to believe that Jesus is risen? 
when she hears Jesus call her name, Mary. See, that personal encounter with Jesus is what made the difference in Mary's life. She witnessed the risen Christ personally. And then she says, Rabboni. And it all kind of comes together for Mary in that moment. And her faith grows. In fact, Paul says in the text from 1 Corinthians 15, which is a very early, it's the earliest witness to the resurrection, is what we just read from 1 Corinthians 15, written earlier, before even the Gospels were written. Very early account, the earliest we have of the resurrection hope. But Paul says in there, what convinced the apostles finally, fully, is Jesus, what? He appeared to them personally. And what I want to say today is that the risen Lord still does this. He still calls our name. He still comes to those who are grieving. He still comes to people who are hopeless. He still comes to people who are seeking the truth about Him. And so many of us can testify to this. We're so grateful that we've heard the Lord Jesus call our name. He calls to us through Scripture. He calls to us maybe in a sermon. He calls to people as they pray. Some people have heard Him call their name in the midst of pain and suffering and difficulty as they've tried to live their life one way without Christ. And they've come to the realization that it's not working for them. And then they hear Christ saying, turn to me, look to me, trust in me. The risen Christ invites us to know him personally. There are facts to believe, but there's a wonderful person also to encounter. So after Mary encounters Jesus Christ, he commissions her to be a witness. Go and tell your brothers. And that's for all of us who believe. If we have this hope, the hope of the resurrection, Jesus commissions us to share with others the hope that's in us. And people today need this hope. We need to be reminded of the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many people are wondering, where is the direction of history headed? Why is our world in the shape it is in. Where is there hope? Where there, can there be a foundation for a society that's based on love and sacrifice and goodness? We need to look back to Jesus Christ. Martin E. Miller was a German pastor who was imprisoned by the Nazis in World War II. He's working against Hitler. And he and other prisoners were regularly, of course, taken out of their cell and tortured and beaten. One good Friday, he was dragged from his cell to endure another episode, another session of being tortured. And as he was being dragged from his cell, he passed some cages where prisoners were being kept in solitary confinement. He looked over and he saw that one prisoner had written in the dust, he lives. He lives. And Martin E. Miller said that word got him through. That belief, that hope, that he lives meant to him that his Savior is invincible and he can endure And he can carry on. Whatever you're going through, friends, remember, he lives. The hope of the resurrection gives us the courage to go on. The hope of the resurrection says that death is not the end. That God's love is stronger than the grave. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us that God is the ruler of this world. Ultimately, he will bring things to completion. And the Lord Jesus is his king. The resurrection tells us that the death of Jesus really was what he said it was. It is a sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus, Jesus' words were validated by the resurrection. 
so we can know that we're forgiven as we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, when we admit that we have sinned against God, and we trust in what Jesus Christ did for us. We can have peace with God, and we can have the hope of eternal life with Him. He lives. And because He lives, you and I have a reason for hope. Let's pray. Thank you for this truth, Lord God, and I pray once again that it would not be just something we believe intellectually, but something we appropriate personally. Lord Jesus, if the resurrection is true, then you are indeed the King. You are the ruler. You are the Messiah. And I pray for all of us that we would bow our life and our knee before you. You've shown us great love and mercy, but you are also sovereign. You're the ruler. I pray for anyone here who may be living against the lordship of Jesus Christ, that you would consider what that means, because the resurrection proves he is truly Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Lord, I pray for anybody who may feel distant from you in this place, that you would draw them by the Holy Spirit to the cross of Jesus Christ and to the empty tomb as well, that they would be filled with the hope of forgiveness and an eternal relationship with you. Lord, I pray for all of us who believe that we might be strengthened in our faith, not just to say these words, but to believe them in our hearts and in our minds, God. Thank you for this day. We love you. We praise you. Amen.